you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast is hanging out its onions. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. I decided to change my cadence there, hitting emphasis on different words. Put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. My advice, don't ah. do that again. Well, you just got to listen. We're now at week 11. Uh, as we head toward week 11, just got to keep things fresh. Got to keep the listener. This is Broadcasting 101, Mark. Maybe you should take some notes. Well, this is not a dress rehearsal. I don't know why you roll out the show with a completely bizarre <laughs> entry that no one approved of. Wait, you took Broadcasting 101? 102, actually. <laughs> Doesn't it just go to 201? Yours, maybe. <laughs> It's the Around the NFL Podcast Tuesday edition, sponsored, of course, by Mr. Flames Economics Class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Mr. F. Big show today, Monday night recap. Some big news, including finally a quarterback change in L.A. Uh, NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal will talk about his QB index. It's <laughs> <That's> ridiculous. <laughs> I, don't, I don't appreciate that. Why does that make you look I don't know. It seems like a shot somehow. You think I'm hinting at a class divide or something? I don't know. I, that's more in your head. Well, Greg is a TV personality now. <laughs> big time, big time. We're, we're all on TV a lot more uh, than I would ever be on solo. Every Saturday, pick them three you times. at me again. Three times. That was an adept <laughs> attempt at changing the subject, but. But it, it also is true. It's, it's a fact. It's part of the story. I've not seen anyone in this room on TV this year except for Greg. Well, you got to watch more TV, Wes. We're all on TV. I don't watch TV. NFL Pick'em, our Saturday uh, pick show that we do, of course, with Shaq and Move the Sticks. Set your DVRs. Set your DVRs. Uh, and then our TNF preview uh, later in the show today, uh, New Orleans at Carolina. Uh, before we get to the Monday Night Recap, though, some breaking news. Area blogger Chris Wessling warring with NFL security over ID badge placement. Um this happened shortly before um, lunch on our way to 
the commissary, Wes was halted by a security official that asked for him to wear his badge over his shirt. Uh, Wes complied, um, but then put the badge back in his jean pocket, only to be once again accosted by the same security personnel uh, to be told, Sir, put that badge on display. And now I throw it to Chris Wessling for his reaction. Badgegate. This particular <laughs> security officer had been ranked number one in my security officer rankings mm-hmm. around the around the uh, campus here. Mm-hmm. She has descended all the way to the bottom spot. Which was also one because you only knew her. <laughs> she, I like her. She reads books uh, when she's, you know, when she has spare time. Wow. A reader. She, she seems like she's big on self-improvement. I expected someone with that kind of mind to be above the, Nor- the Nuremberg defense of I was just following orders. Use common sense. You see me every day for three years. You know my face. I don't have to wear a lanyard around my neck. My badge is quite clearly visible <laughs> on my belt loop. Um, counterpoint, Mark Sessler. The only counterpoint that I'd offer from her angle is that there are instances where people who are dismissed or fired from a company, someone that you've seen over and over, and she's not in the loop of the NFL media transaction page, an angry employee comes storming in and she just says, oh, I recognize that face. He rolls right in, he or she rolls right into a, a news operation and takes out 15 people. She is going to be questioned. She might even lose her job. That, that's right. What, what does that have to do with me? She doesn't know whether or not you're actually even employed here at this point. It really has nothing to do with you at all. It has to do with the larger scope of her job, Is where you can't you assume saying, people are employees. Are, are we hitting at something here? It's a Chris Wessling, don't you know who I am scenario? Ooh, it's about me. <laughs> I say hi to her every day for three years. Can I offer Exhibit A? Yes. What does my shirt say? It says NFL Network. With oh. an official NFL Network insignia on so it. So NFL Network's Chris Wessling. Yeah, she. I'm wearing an actual NFL Network shirt. She doesn't need my ID. Well, my I point, clearly work in this building. Again, Chris, this has nothing to do with Chris Wessling. But let's say you were fired and you came back tomorrow in an NFL Network shirt and you know, attempting to do something negative on the premises – her job is to stop anyone without a badge well, let's from, say from, from, from commanding their will on the company. Let's say I'm fired and I wear a lanyard around my neck tomorrow. Will you What's turn the in the lanyard when you're fired? It's that's a very a, thorny not, issue. I'm not bloody likely to cooperate with that. A thorny well, issue uh, that there's no mm. – there's no, Greg, do you have something that you want to share? NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal. Well, it, it was interesting – you know, after we had a, a pre- breaking news, Greg Rosenthal is going to share his take. <laughs> TV's Greg Rosenthal. You know, we we have a we had a pre-show meeting. Uh, I know that's surprising to listeners that any of this <laughs> is planned at all. But uh, Wes, to avoid um, passing by the security thing, like found a whole new uh, tunnel way through the system. The the new <laughs> Mouser. I call the it. new Mouser. That's what I call it. <laughs> well, or the first Mouser. The other one has not been been built yet so uh can i make a couple of more one a final point for how about you want to stick a pin in it we could come back to it why don't we do that because we got to get into the show all right we're like six i mean i feel like this yeah no i, I don't i don't want to short you you are right no matter what <laughs> let's do the monday night recap stick a pin in it let's talk about football that happened on Monday. That was the actual original lyric. 
Yes, Monday night at the Meadowlands, the New York Giants hosted the Cincinnati Bengals. Two teams very evenly matched when you look at the grand scheme of the NFL in a lot of ways. And on this day, the Giants were just a little bit better. Let's hear one of the uh, two touchdown throws uh, from Eli Manning on this evening. Manning again surveys the defense. Play clock at 12. Takes the snap back to throw. Finds the pocket. Throws to the end zone for Odell. Touchdown, Giants. Ten yards on the strike. And the Giants are back on top with 117 to go in the half. That's Bob Papa, WFAN. Actually, three touchdowns for Manning. The Bengals came back after the half, put up 10 points to take the lead. Uh, but a late touchdown pass to Sterling Shepard. Uh, was the difference the defense on both sides held the rest of the way? Greg, final score twenty-one to twenty. The Giants, a little under the radar here, six and three, and the Bengals a mess at three, five and one. Your thoughts about this game? Well, these two teams they play the same game every week. They are very reliable. the The Bengals are disappointing and a little boring in the same way every week, and the Giants find a way to win these games, and. I don't know about the future of this team, but they deserve credit on defense for what they're accomplishing because their defense was put in a lot of bad spots by bad Eli Manning interceptions, by bad special teams, and Jason Pierre-Paul and Landon Collins stepped up. A lot of other good defensive players, Janoris Jenkins and Steve Spagnolo. I used to get on Spags. on this old podcast. He's having a great around? season. You've come all the way around. Well, he's having a great season. They, they blitz like crazy. They're effective when they blitz. They're tough to handle. Does uh, Steve Spagnola know that you guys have patched things up? <laughs> <Is this even laughs> well, he's a big-time listener of the show, so it hurt him in the past, you know, what I used Wes, to say. Wes, this was a, another hit to the possibility of a West of this January. Mm. First thing I thought of. Yeah, I'm a little worried. Fortunately, they play in a division which is not very competitive. So they have a chance to get that number, the top spot in the division. I mean, the Ravens have to go into Dallas this week, so I don't think the Bengals are out of it by any means. But yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a blow to uh, my favorite holiday of the year. You start to think, and we all were in agreement on this. This is kind of a sneaky bad game for twenty-one twenty, uh, especially you know after. First of all, onions where onions are due to Ben McAdoo because I, I, I second-guessed it initially uh, he, on fourth down uh, and goal from three yards out. Uh, he could have kicked a field goal to make it uh, 20 to 17, and there was still a lot of time left in the game at that point. They opted to go for it, which a lot of coaches don't, and they got the Eli and, and Shepard connected to give the Giants a lead. And then for the rest of the game, basically a trading of interceptions or punts, and, and the Giants, it, it was almost uh, – Anticlimactic the way they ran out the clock. Even they just ran the ball, and the Cincinnati couldn't stop them. I think we if you finally want big s- onions. You got to get on- big onion plants. <laughs> it's true. No comment. What? I mean, you know, you're gonna you're gonna roll some soundbite. I think that was that was genuinely every show. Every show. I think, Sydney, that was a coincidence, right? I am innocent. In this. <laughs> that was genuinely right. unintentional that time. I mean, <laughs> Mark's face. Give me a so break. Mad. Give me a break. We use we employ drops on this show, uh, Mark, and that just happened to connect with the beginning of your point. What I would say <laughs> is that, yes, Sydney, anything else? Uh, the Giants ran the ball last night. We've been killing them all season, and they got ground yardage when they need it. But I want to, I want to, if you want to make one defense for the Bengals, I don't think they're a good team. And if they ever snuck into the playoffs, you're going to get what you want, Wes. They're going to get rocked in the playoffs. Yes. But <laughs> this is the thing. This is who they've lost to: the Steelers, the Broncos. The Cowboys, the Patriots, and the Giants. All potential playoff teams. That said, 
if you want to be a playoff team, are you going to beat any of these? It's the same thing with the Bengals, but how far away they are from last year's team right now. The Giants are a much better team at this point. Well, we talk, speaking of the Giants, we talk about Melvin Gordon a lot because with fantasy football driving everything in, in the NFL these days, offense gets all of the uh, spotlight. But Landon Collins is the defense's answer. Mm. From Another big plays all night. From a liability in coverage as a rookie to a guy who could be heading for an all-pro berth this year at safety, he's the Giants' best defensive player this year. He's the only player in the NFL that leads his team in sacks, interceptions, and tackles, which is a – an almost impossible combination. You need a lot of things to come together, including your defensive line not having many sacks. That's incredible. I'm surprised we haven't mentioned that. Your boy, Odell Beckham. I mean, he had what had to have been the most memorable route of the year. Oh, I mean, I know, I know, you know, this is Matt Harmon's, you know. Purview. Ballywick. Corner. You know, the routes. But that route that he... <laughs> <laughs> that we're, route that he's still threw, allowed to talk about routes. Uh, we're allowed to talk about routes. That route he threw on Pac-Man Jones was, within was our insane. Right. It was insane. They would put that in the route hall of fame. What is it called? An up and up, down and up, <laughs> up and what's the route called? STD. Shoot, this is where we need harmony. I think you've named it. <laughs> up and down. Definitely not the, like up and down. the up and down. I felt bad out for and up. I felt bad for Pac-Man then. I mean, that was the equivalent of feel of, bad of being posterized. Yeah. Uh yeah, and the and the Bengals they yeah, I mean, listen, we look at their schedule here. I think they I think their next game by the way, um against the Bills, that's our that's one of those games. Mm. Loser disappoints his dad. Even <laughs> even more, he might actually die because the t- loser of this game, Bills, Bengals, I don't I think you can write him off. Both those teams desperately need that to stay in the picture. This, this Bengals team used to be tough. They let Paul Perkins and Rashad Jennings run out the clock. They used to have a good offense. The offense had 264 yards in this game, and they don't, they're don't. they all big plays. It's almost the opposite of what the Bengals no, used nothing, to be. Nothing sustaining. It's just they have an occasional big play, but that's it. Nothing backs Wes's summertime, every summertime you know, announcement that running backs are a year-to-year proposition. What is going on with Jeremy Hill? You talk about how they used to be tough. Jeremy will. Jeremy Hill used to impose his will on defenses, and they would they would choke out the clock. It's the opposite right now. Well, they've gone from a team that had an offensive line on par with the Cowboys last season to an offensive line that's in the bottom fourth, bottom quarter of the league this year. Their offensive line's been a, li- a liability all year long. Here's the thing, though. Eli Manning's not having a good year. I don't think this Giants team is going anywhere. Even They have the Bears and the Browns next, so they have a chance to get to 8-3, and three, and they're in a good position to maybe make the playoffs, but they've been a consistently bad passing game. That didn't really change last night. So there you go. That is the Monday night recap. But we should, we should mention the yes. intense, ridiculous almost farcical irony of Tom Coughlin taking up so much time at halftime, giving a speech that he forced a delay of the game. The the, the man who's so concerned about time and everything. Imagine how annoyed Tom Coughlin would be as a coach. And he he got on the mic and he said, "I, I know we're a little late here. That is not allowed. He said, I know we're a little late here, but I'm not getting cheated out of my night. That's what he literally this said. This does not bother me nearly as much as it seems to bother the I, team. I just thought it was Curious. funny. I'm not really bothered, but it was just it was funny. Okay, you know, Grandpa Tom, 
Wait, you're furious? I'm furious because Grandpa Tom, not only was he undermining McAdoo uh, before the season started with his little trips to the team <laughs> facility to use the Stairmaster, now he's he's delaying the game, actually affecting games because it's his moment? Wait, so we have to wait, Tommy like, boy. A, we have to wait like an extra 180 seconds for the second half of a largely dull Monday night football you know game. Wait, was he the reason we were spared Stephen A. Smith this week? No, uh, I don't. Were we? that was, I don't know. Were we really? I believe we were. <laughs> so sticky. They didn't. Point with they the didn't show the Coughlin. They didn't show the Coughlin, but they did make it clear. And and people covering the game, including our our very own Connor Orr, uh, you know, they, they had the quotes from Coughlin. Oh, are you, you kidding me? Come on, bro. He wants to coach again. Get off the get off the podium. Let's do some news. I'm not going seven and nine. Jeff Fisher doesn't want to go seven and nine, and now he's gonna. Take his chance with the kid. The Los Angeles Rams finally ready to see if Jared Goff can be uh, the guy they need him to be and turn their offense around the season. NFL Network's Michael Silver confirmed uh, with Goff that the Rams plan to start the rookie on Sunday against the Dolphins in L.A. ESPN first reported that news. Uh, Case Keenum, who started nine games, they started that guy nine times. We'll hit the bench uh, after a win, ironically, but uh, another game in which, Wes, he was unable to move the offense and score any touchdowns. It's golf yeah, time. It's time. I am generally in favor of any move that makes boring teams more interesting. This will make the Rams <laughs> more fun to watch. Jared Goff has an arm. We saw that in the preseason. It's not Jay Cutler or Matt Stafford or, or Joe Flacco, but he's got a much bigger arm than Case Keenum. It's going to allow them to throw outside the numbers and down the field as long as he can pick up blitzes, decipher uh, defenses in the middle of the field, and get the, get his team to the line of scrimmage. All of those areas he struggled with in the preseason. Well, that's my, my question for the Rams is it was less than two weeks ago, if not even before that time, where they said, he's not ready. There's nothing about him that's ready. So all these things that in theory would be good about him, A, is he suddenly ready now? Now that you have, you've got, you know, after this week against the Dolphins, two games on the road, including one against the New England Patriots. And B, you stuck with Case Keenum for an incredible amount of time. Are you going to give this to Goff until the end? Yes. If this goes very poorly, are they going to panic? I can't imagine. But you, it's a good question to ask with this coaching staff. You would think Goff has the job for the rest of the year. I think part of it was they can't get worse. I mean, they're de literally dead last in the league in scoring. In the last 34 drives that Keenum had, they scored one touchdown. And that touchdown was a garbage time touchdown against the Panthers. Yep. That 34 drives. He had five picks in that time. So I, I think he's probably made improvements, you, you would think, in practice. He's going to have to score help. points. You've got a four-game stretch after this Sunday where you play the Saints, Patriots, Falcons, and Seahawks. He is going to have to generate points. Well, I think what Steve Weiss had said, and he's been reporting on this issue all year, basically they want to see flashes from him, don't turn the ball over, and hopefully unlock some of Todd Gurley's potential by keeping defenses from stacking the box. That's what they want to see out of Goff. I'm not sure they're asking him to beat the Patriots and Seahawks. Do you feel like Jared Goff, who has not taken a regular season snap in the NFL, is going to scare defenses enough to – back off the way they've defended the Rams? It's a fair question. I think if you're the Rams, you hang your hat on what Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, and even for a stretch or two, Cody Kessler have done as rookies. And they haven't been a liability. They've been pretty 
I think in most cases they've been better than the uh, veteran alternatives. The, the most important thing in this season for the Rams is to develop Goff, and it it sure seems like the best way to do that is to play. Most quarterbacks say that. I mean, most jobs are like that. Even if he really struggles, I think it's it's the best thing for him long term. And you look at the schedule. This week's pretty tough against a good Dolphins front. Not a great secondary. You know, Saints, that's a relatively easy matchup in terms of the defense. Patriots at this point, I think, is not a tough matchup in terms of the defense. Falcons, not that good. 49ers are coming up. You have to go to Seattle. But otherwise, it's okay. You this know. Is, those don't feel like Todd Gurley special. No. Set no, I'm talking more for Goff, but, but not terribly good pass rushers except for that trip to Seattle. Right. Uh, let's move on to talk about another quarterback situation. Dak Prescott and the Cowboys have won eight straight. Uh, there's no way the guy is going to lose his job. Jerry Jones confirmed as much on Sunday, saying he's going to continue to ride with a hot hand. And where does that leave Tony Romo? Romo um, had a press conference where he spoke candidly uh, about the situation. And um, let's hear a little bit right now, Sid. To say the first half of the season has been emotional would be a huge understatement. Getting hurt when you feel like you have the best team you've ever had was a soul-crushing moment for me. Seasons are fleeting. Games become more precious. Chances for success diminish. Your potential successor has arrived. The press is whispering. Everyone has doubts. You've spent your career working to get here. You see, football is a meritocracy. You aren't handed anything. You earn everything, every single day, over and over again. You have to prove it. A great example of this is Dak Prescott and what he's done. He's earned the right to be our quarterback. Romo spoke for six minutes, and uh, right there, Greg, he starts, you know, he reads off the card and reads a statement, doesn't take questions. Uh, He's earned the right to be our quarterback about Dak Prescott. That's hard to say, but he's earned it. Wow, what a scene. It was heart. It was heartfelt. I mean, we always criticize guys for talking in cliches, and that's the you know he he did not do that. He he bared his soul. When you hear that he's going to make a statement, you almost think that's taking the easy way out. But he didn't at all. He he just wanted to kind of bare his soul to all the fans. And I think part of it is being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback too, not just any other team. That that he's just it's hard to really imagine how big of a deal he is in that in that area especially. I'm going to look back on this in year, years from now as one of my favorite press conferences I've ever heard. Sure. It was the ideal way for a leader, a veteran, to address this situation where he has to put himself aside. He called it soul-crushing. And if you're in his place, you can understand. But he hit the right note. And any of us who have ever been on a team before know what it's about. Like each season is its own growing organism, and you can't stand in the way. He said this is magical, what's going on with the Cowboys. He kept that in perspective, and I think perspective is the right word for that press conference. Yeah, I mean, I I think with Romo, he's never really viewed, it seems to me, the way that people talk about the psychotic preparation of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and how much it means to them. But all we've heard about Romo over the last couple of years, especially in the way that they – this is an organization that – allowed Jason Garrett to grow from a backup quarterback into a prized assistant, into a head coach that they allowed to weather through all storms. I think that they have nurtured Tony Romo in a similar way and now view him as not just their quarterback, but a beating heart for that team and someone that does not get the credit he deserves for 
stepping aside in this situation right now and doing it in a wonderful fashion. I mean, it's, you know, people are going to gush about it, but it also deserves it in it, this case. It's something what struck me because it was so unusual. It's something that I could imagine reading something on like the Players Tribune that he would put out, like here's here's the link about where where I'm at right now. But to do it in front of the people and and to I I mean it, it was, was just emotional. A great, uh, just a really like a special scene for for Dallas and the absolute best case scenario in terms of how you want the proud veteran to act and making it very clear that he wants he's here to help Dak and referencing how people helped him when he was once that young upstart <laughs> that was taking the league over which i think makes everyone feel old in this room because i feel like just yesterday romo was the the new kid on on the block uh but yeah what a, what a scene i think you can also if you're a cowboys fan you had to have been struck by the contrast between 2015 when you let greg hardy infiltrate your mm. locker room become a poison become a carcinogenic agent and spread throughout that season to the point where you knew you couldn't overcome that. And the opposite is going on this year. If Dak Prescott goes down with an injury, right. everybody's going to have Tony Romo's back to a greater degree than they ever had before because of how well he handled it. And that's a good point that this is not – it, it sure feels like the end of Tony Romo in Dallas. Bar, it might not be. It, it, exactly. A lot can happen. Right. At the very least, he's then. the backup quarterback for the rest of the season, which is – a significant role and the thing that struck me though was was him looking back because I think the injuries that he's had is is part of this I mean he has not played for a year now and he's not getting back on the field he called it soul crushing but when he talked yeah and when he talked about Dax last 10 weeks and he said that that's a that's a special time in your life I mean you see a guy who knows and he talked about it that he's closer to the end than the beginning, and he's thinking back to how special that was to be that young, that young guy, and that he's not that guy anymore, and you know, and, and then realizing that. Well, you know, he did a lot of self-reflecting when he closed the statement with, "When you've conquered the man inside of you, the man across from you really doesn't matter." Hmm. He sat and he thought about this for two months. Maybe, maybe almost. Yeah, that's true. Two months. That's crazy. Um, there, and most of last season, right? That's that's sort of what I was thinking too. And it gets it's almost a contrast. Uh, you know, Drew. If you, this has been compared to Bledsoe Brady a lot, and it could be compared to Bledsoe Romo a little bit too. And um, I think you can draw contrasts in how the, those were handled. And Tony Romo might have thought, "I'm going to handle this in a different way um, than it was handled when I was when I was coming up." And this True. is how I'm going to do it. Uh, so, yeah, this is a, obviously a huge story that will continue to be a big story, not only because it has a star quarterback involved of Romo's stature, but it's also the Cowboys and there's all the drama. So this season, really all of a sudden, from a greater perspective, the NFL has the focal point storyline is now starting to focus in on the Cowboys, and we'll see how it plays out. We will be here to track it. Let's move on in the news. Blair Walsh finally ran, ran out of lives in Minnesota. The Vikings released the kicker. Uh, who um, wasn't so long ago signed a lucrative extension with the team, but after missing his fourth extra point attempt of the season on Sunday, this coming after he missed another extra point the week before, uh, the Vikings, now on a four-game losing streak, decided they couldn't do it anymore. They drop uh, Blair Walsh, and they are expected to sign uh, Kai Forbath, uh, in, according to uh, NFL Network's Mike Garofolo. So uh, Blair Walsh, all done. 
It's the most pressure-filled position in the game, in football. And nobody's happy to see Blair Walsh go. But if you're the Vikings and your formula calls for you to play close games, rely on your defense, you need a reliable kicker. And Blair Walsh was the opposite for the entire season. And it was hard, you know, when you miss a 27-yard field goal attempt that ends your season in the playoffs, that's hard for any kicker to come back from. We've seen it through the years how these things can stick with kickers, and it clearly had to have a role. He missed eight kicks this season. Uh, Only Roberto Aguayo, uh, ironically a second-round pick this year, also dealing with pressure issues, uh, has been worse than him. Well, and four of those were PATs and four were field goals, and in the missed extra point against Washington – came at a point where Minnesota's offense uh, had had woken up. They looked good, and they were about to score 21 unanswered points. He misses the PAT. You go into half, and the Vikings don't score again. It's not Blair Walsh's fault entirely, but he had his share of momentum destroyed. He, he was a sensation. Gassness. Remember, as He was a, an all-pro. He was, he was like a, about as famous and doing as well as a kicker can be to come into the league, but that's the nature of that position. It drives home Adam Vinatieri's point, which he's made several times, that there are thousands of human beings who can kick 50-yard field goals and can outkick him in practice. But this is a game where it rewards the mental giants at that position. You have to be mentally strong to be an NFL kicker. Uh, Let's move on. Rob Gronkowski, if you were watching the Sunday night game between the Seahawks and Patriots, took a really – Really big shot from Earl Thomas uh, on a, a route down the seam in the second quarter of that game. Uh, had the wind knocked out of him, uh, sat out the, sat out for about five plays, but then came on to finish the game. Uh, afterwards, he had this to say about the hit in an almost cavalier attitude. He hit me fair, fair and square. It's football. You, you're going to get laid out eventually. But then we learned the next day, NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reported that Gronk suffered what is believed to be a punctured lung in the team's loss to Seattle on Sunday. Uh, he's expected to miss Sunday's game against the 49ers because of the injury, and perhaps more we'll have to see. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Greg, this is uh, obviously when you take Gronk out of the equation, no, no matter how long, it sucks. It does, but, you know, their schedule is insanely easy. It's so- a ridiculous schedule. <laughs> Coming up, uh, what is you it? know, it's 49ers. Then it's the Jets. It's Then it's the Jets. And then after that, it's yeah, the Rams. It's the Rams. Then so, it's the Ravens, which are a week to week. He'll, he'll be back in. And look, they have depth. They have a, a pro bowler, I believe, at the position in Martellus Bennett. Their offense will be fine, especially against San Francisco. You know, you worry if it's, it's a long-term thing. And you think back to that game. They're throwing a fade to a guy with that sort of injury in a huge game, you know, they didn't they didn't know that at the time, but it's strange to think back. He, he played through it. We can't comprehend the level of toughness it, it takes to play in the NFL. The last time this happened on a grand scale was Tony Romo hit a puncture that's a good, and didn't miss a start. Right. That's a good that's a good call. I mean he missed five plays. And he, and after the game all he could say was, you know, he got me good, you know, of eventually you're gonna get laid out if you play in the NFL. There is a tedious, a very tedious aspect to Twitter when this kind of information <laughs> bubbles up, and it's like, whoa, he played through a puncture lung. Now, point taken, but then all these <laughs> sports writers being like, if I had a puncture lung, wouldn't even be able to get out of my desk. <laughs> like, we we know you would not. <laughs> <laughs> You're I mean, 160 pounds and five foot six. Hey. You would not. That's the average sports writer height and weight. I'm like one 135. You know, so heavier than you. <laughs> um, yeah, 
What were we talking about? Blair Walsh? No. Gronk. Stay I mean, with us. I, Mark really threw me off. The, Dan, Dan, is, Dan is verklempt after this Romo well, press no. conference, and he can't really move on. I, that's I, what I think. I like it's, the idea it's hit it at like home. All sports writers being five foot six, one hundred and sixty. It's interesting. That's not a good. That's not a good height weight combo. It would not be. But I mean, have you been in the scrums with most sports writers? They're they're beefier. They're usually a little yeah, taller. Maybe like beefier. Five nine, two hundred. Yeah, that's where I would put it. All right, corrected. <laughs> Let's move on uh, and talk about C-Woke back to sleep. Kristen Michael, breaking news. <laughs> really? And everybody got excited about Kristen Michael. Yes, I thing. asked I for mean, it. I it mean, happened during the show. It's breaking news. Uh, Kristen Michael has been uh, waived by the Seattle Seahawks. The odd man out in that backfield now, uh, as it turned out. Thomas Rawls coming back from his injury. C.J. Procise has really uh, thrived in his role and, uh, Wes, we'll start with you. Uh, you uh, believe that, that Michael's ready for a big season, and it wasn't like he was a bust necessarily, but apparently within that building he was deemed expendable. He wasn't anywhere close to a bust. I'm shocked by this move. I am too. I, I get why they like Thomas Rawls better. He's a better tackle breaker. He's more physical. He's more in line with what, what Marshawn Lynch was. And I get that C.J. Procise is definitely going to be your passing down back. So where does that leave Kristen Michael? It leaves him without a rule. Uh, it also leaves you, I guess, without – you could say it leaves you without insurance for Rawls, but then they feel like Procise can handle that. So I guess he got caught in a roster crunch. I, I think I think there's more to the story. There's got to be a – There's there no way the they're cutting Kristen Michael if there's not more to the story. And this is a guy who's had more to the story – multiple times, including with the same team in terms of his work habits or how he was a professional, essentially. So there's got to be more. I mean, we just talked about Tony Romo couldn't be more graceful about a difficult situation. We have no idea how Michael responded inside the building to other running backs rising up. He has 117 attempts. Procise and Rawls combined have 45. and so I, I thought he I, ran I, really well, too. I do, too. I don't think that Michael on the field was an issue at all. I'm, surpri- I'm as surprised as Wes about well, that. Well, how about a team out there now, uh, like the Giants and any other number of teams that have an issue in their backfield, maybe he's a guy to take a chance yes. on. But, again, this is all very familiar, though, because he's been bouncing around the league now for three or four years. He's yeah. proven more this time around. This season, he's proven he can play. He's proven on the field more, but it's a red flag that the Seahawks, who know him the best – had concerns. I'm. I am sure we're going to hear something else about this. That that wouldn't surprise me at all. I would say though that if Rawls comes in and blows the doors off, everybody's going to assume that like for the last month, Kristen Michael was terrible. It's not fair knowing what we know about mobile quarter, quarterbacks that they give running backs a huge advantage. It's not going to be fair that like a suddenly healthy Russell Wilson is giving Rawls an advantage that Michael didn't have for a month. I thought he ran really well, even I did when too. the numbers when the numbers were there. Now that it's with that said, not a good receiver. What that with that said, uh, Procise has more to offer than we expected. True. You know he he looks. You don't want to give him the ball twenty four times every week like they did against the Patriots, but he had a lot of success running between the tackles. I mean, he wasn't just a passing down guy. He he had a lot of six, seven, eight yard runs up the middle. You don't just cut Chris no. Michael though. For giggles, there's got to be – he's not the least valuable player on your roster. There has to be something about maybe, him that they are very turned off by. Maybe he can land in Minnesota and save the team of ATL season. It's true. Ooh, I like that. Why not? It happened all the talk on Sunday about Kristen Michael running in socks. He does, he does fall a lot, yes. 
I yeah, wouldn't. Have see. you watched Minnesota's running backs? A I'm guy in saying, socks would be an upgrade. I'm just saying, is he going to go to a team? And we'll, we'll see. He'll get picked up. He'll get picked up. We assume, right? Yeah, we assume. Yeah. All right. Anything else? I mean, I thought that two breaking definitely news. worthy of breaking. So much breaking news today. Wow, this podcast is really. I used relevant. to be involved in those. Feels like NFL.com. Remember. Yes, Breaking news. I would, I would be a voice in the room. Should we break it? Should we not? <laughs> Who cares? And then you went to Hollywood. <laughs> in front of the big camera, see? <laughs> That's what's happening in the news. Uh, all right. <clears throat> oh, Wes, do you want to follow up with your point on the security <laughs> official? Well, I think it's fair to say that a 42-year-old man should not have to ha- have something dangling around his neck while he's working. Lanyards are for, like, kids, not for a grown mm. man. Lanyards for kids. Greg, your thoughts? Well, that that part of it, I'm on the fence. This one I've just been listening and watching because I understand Wes's frustration. There is something um, emasculating or <laughs> dehumanizing or just makes you feel like a child. Not really a masculine. I would it's more like a child. Like a college freshman almost. Yeah, too. that you have to wear something. right. So no, I, step further, I get it. It I'm, makes you feel like a prisoner in a cell that you have to walk around waiting for some security guard to tell you to put something it, on. It's on my mind a surprising amount. Like when I get out of my car in the morning, like got to go put my uh, little uh, – Lanyard iron. Oh, to I don't be, know. There to is clear, something that's very annoying about it. To be clear, this is a new rule on our campus. It started <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Yes. We have been wearing badges on our belt loop, and now they bought lanyards for everyone and are forcing us <laughs> to wear these things. They feel like you're being strangled by a really weak two-year-old. This, you know what? I, I also want to throw this out there. This hits a West. Go ahead. It, well, sometimes. Well, you know, I don't hit, like hit just following wings. orders as an excuse. Wes also doesn't like. Stop the, being an overfishish jerk. <laughs> Wes doesn't like the wire from our headsets, and he's had some incidents with personnel here. So I don't like things around my neck. He doesn't like it. <laughs> it's about me. Maybe, maybe in a past life, something happened bad that involved. Well, I am claustrophobic, which rope. is a result of my asthma. I don't like things around my neck. Around my windpipe, I don't like anything like that. <laughs> that is a very reasonable response to that. Thank you. Maybe I, during the French Revolution, you were like an assassin and you were lynched as I a, got as the a, guillotine. By the way, yeah. chopped off yes. my neck. Something with your neck in a past. Robespierre life. got me. One thing going for you in a over corporatized environment, if you can get even a fake doctor to write a note that maybe even just you write yourself saying this makes my patient feel uh, restricted and uncomfortable. He needs an option <laughs> to wear his lanyard somewhere else than around his Mark, neck. Mark's volunteering. Well, it's a great thing he about wants working to write for the a, It's a great thing about wa- working for a corporation. If you can lampoon their silly policies and find some way around it, they'll be happy to go along with you just as long as a doctor makes the lie up for you. Once again, it's very it's very um, beneficial to the group that no one listens to the show above the second floor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no that's... one above the second floor is wearing a lanyard. We'll have to mm. check in on that. We should check in on that. That's actually hmm. Well, if there's a class if think. there's some sort of class disparity with the lanyard thing, then you start to get me upset as well. <laughs> You don't right. want you think that. that security guard's telling the third floor guys what to put around their neck? I was giving her the benefit of the doubt. This thing goes south very fast. This that's could be way case. bigger than we realized. All right, let's move on. It's a healthy discussion. Thank you, Dan. NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal writes a <laughs> weekly QB index uh, piece. Um, it is a real metrics gold mine uh, in which he, he, by studying the tape week after week, he comes up with a tiered system. Uh, uh, that ranks 
all of the quarterbacks in the league that have, of course, seen enough action um, uh, that Greg feels is a fair representation of their ability at this stage. <laughs> I don't know. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's right. Sounds good. So anyway, the latest uh, QB, QB index is in. And uh, let's talk about it, Greg. And I, I think the one place we want to start, I like to start at the top. You start. Yeah. And um, you have a tier where it's the, the this these are the cream of the crop. And sometimes Tom Brady has been alone in that tier. Uh, but uh, for a few weeks now, right, Matt Ryan has joined him. And they are right now to you, one, two in that order. Brady, Ryan, the top two quarterbacks in your QB index. I think Ryan deserves that. And I think if you're talking MVP, he, he's got to have a chance here. Season, seven games left in the season. He was the most consistent quarterback early in the season. And then I think he's stepped it up uh, another level in terms of the playmaking, the difficult throws that Matt Ryan makes. He's having an MVP type of year. Never thought, didn't think it would happen. Can't disagree with any of that. I would like to see Drew Brees up in that top tier where he belongs, but other than that. So Drew Brees is at three. You would say he he belongs more with Brady and Ryan than he would with the next group, which involves uh, Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, and Derek Carr. Yes, for consistency's sake, he belongs in that top. The other the other four guys in the second tier have been more inconsistent. The, the argument against Brees would be maybe his highs aren't quite as high as the others. His lows aren't, aren't as low. But you're right in terms of production. Does he get any credit for being on a team that isn't even close to as talented as the other two? Offen- He's got to do so much Drew more. Brees? Yeah. Offensively, I think they're pretty talented. I was that, about- that trio of, of uh, receivers and uh, the running backs, I mean, I, I hear you. They're less talented than the other I think they have the a playoff-level offense, but they have an imbalanced team. And, and he operates at a different – level where he almost him and Peyton almost feel like co-coaches I mean he's been running that offense for so long he knows it so well it it's uh it's unbelievable and now I'm looking at this 8 through 12 Ooh, what I mean especially coming from Greg this one has to uh really sting for Phil Rivers who uh if he doesn't throw four interceptions on Sunday he's in the second tier yeah he was in the second tier until until that you got to move down when when you have a game like but that. He's still good enough where he's the top of that tier, which includes uh, Rivers, then Big Ben at 9, Cam Newton at 10, Dak Prescott all the way into the uh, 11 spot, and then Aaron Rodgers. I mean, again, nobody knows anything because on November 15th, you have a QB index that has Dak Prescott ahead <laughs> of Aaron freaking Rodgers. Do you think that's fair? Uh, I think Dak Prescott fair. should be ahead of the 2015 MVP, too. It's totally fair. I mean, Prescott is week after week, and this he's coming off again a game, his first 300-yard game, where he and that huge touchdown pass to Dez, and he makes the throw. I mean, absolutely. What's the highest that Prescott's been in your QB? Nine game? or so. You know, he's... This is where I like this exercise because I really try to focus in on what they're asked to do and the amount of tough throws and and you count all that. And look, they have a lot of scoring drives where Dak Prescott doesn't have to do a lot. That's not his fault, but he's not going to get a lot of extra credit when he throws a screen pass for 83 yards to Ezekiel Elliott. He doesn't get any credit, really. How about when he hits Des Bryant on an in-breaking route with you, the game on the line? That's, that's how you get in the mix of Cam Newton and Big Ben and Phil Rivers as a rookie. I mean, he has been steady. He does not have bad games. That That's one of the things. But his, his good games aren't usually as high as a Brady or a Derek Carr or a, or a Russell Wilson. And, and people need to understand that this isn't a – you're not 
reshuffling the deck every week. They're, they're, they've got to climb out of – some of these quarterbacks have to climb out of places they were and fall from higher heights. Well, Wes is, uh, Wes's boy who leads the – the next tier is oh, really the, next the, tier. the poster boy for that. Tier four, number 13, <laughs> uh, discarded from my fantasy team, but still able to get up in the morning. Marcus Mariota followed uh, closely by his draft mate, Jameis Winston at 14. Tyrod Taylor, after a, a really impressive uh, uh, game in week 10, or was that week nine? You know, I just had a, a kid. I don't know what's going on anymore. Uh, Kirk Cousins uh, at number 16, and then Andy Dalton. There he is again, right around the old. <laughs> I know. It's too oh, bad. Fine. After these, I hate putting Dalton there because he really played great the first eight weeks of the season. He's had two pretty bad games in a row, though. And I, the, say. I will say he didn't have a great game yesterday. It wasn't on He him. got ripped again, West The catch rule. He threw a touchdown that should have put the Bengals up and a great throw that should have put him up two scores and it got wiped away by the bogus catch rule. And it, it hurts the, the Bengals and probably hurts him here. I think if you check the history of NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal and his quarterback index, <laughs> I think you'll see that he never, ever writes about Marcus Mariota unless he can have Jameis Winston riding Mariota's coattails. Oh, and he puts wow. The Why do you have to put him opposition? Because you you all, you all never write about Mariota unless you want to write about Winston, too, and then you're like, oh, these guys are both playing well. Well, I like you that. You never give Mariota like any it. credit. One, two. Nice Mariota belongs in the tier up further as well as he played the last five weeks, and Winston shouldn't has no business above Tyrod Taylor or Kirk Cousins or Andy Paul. Have you watched Winston's last game? It's not, one not of the best games. He That's played. fine, but he's been a liability for a lot of the year. Tyrod Taylor's he had has, a much better year. Since week five, he has 11 touchdowns and two interceptions. There's a his. He has some highs and lows. He has very similar season in a lot of ways to Mariota. Mariota was a problem. I was again. saying in early October, the Titans have a chance to climb out of this because Mariota's been their biggest problem, and that was not. You didn't disagree with that. A ton of no, but you put a lot more stock in turnovers than I do. I, I think that Mariota's spectacular plays and his ball placement right. lately puts him pretty much a tier above Winston. Mariota's September is killing him. I, I have kind of a formula that I do. Mark's writing a post right now for ATN. <laughs> See, out. I'm showing it to Dan. I've got, you know, I give them scores every week. I'm boosting Mariota up because ultimately I don't think his September should be held that much against him. As much as oh, damn right, that's why I dropped him. He was playing so terrible. I mean, it was it was bad, so that hurts <laughs> so him so bad. The thing is, why can't they both be having good seasons? I think Winston has made more plays, uh, spectacular plays outside the pocket than just about anyone, including Mariota this season. I, he he had some struggles early, but he's playing well. Well, I mean, he's he's a favorite of yours. All right, we'll that stop. doesn't surprise he's me. But you act you act like I'm crazy. I went. Because Wes is so critical of this, I went and checked like all the other metrics. You know, D, you know, Football Outsiders had Mariota had 13, 17 in the same order. PFF had Winston far ahead, like t- 12th in the yeah, league. Yeah, but PFF and crazy people. Remember the year they had Ryan Tannehill over right. Andrew Luck? But there's someone, there are people that are evaluating every single play and giving we a don't grade have to on a, every play. We don't have to agree with which what a, what value they I don't assign agree, to but it, different it, aspects of quarterbacking. Right. I don't agree with the fact that they value garbage time as much as anything else. Right. Or that a turnover pretty much sinks you. A penalty, God forbid you ever get a penalty, then you're the worst player in the NFL. <laughs> but the lanyards, smart or unnecessary? <laughs> I want to get, uh, well, what it, I want to get Mark to tell me what, he thinks is Mark's the, back. the dumbest thing on this entire list. I, I am not really in the mode of telling 
NFL Network's Greg that <laughs> any of this is dumb. What what where do you have a what problem? looms a little concerning for me? Because listen, you've go, gone and watched all these guys, so it's not about taking apart your list. I look that you have right now from 16 on down, and we can get into who they are. That no less than six of the 12 quarterbacks who would be in the playoffs today mm. are at the bottom half of this list. That does not well, make for good playoff football. Let's look at 18 through 25, which is your um, second to last tier. Sam Bradford at 18, uh, Carson Wentz at 19, Alex Smith at 20, Carson Palmer at 21, Ryan Tannehill. You know, you think Ryan, after playing one of the best games of his career, gets a little more. That, that's by far the highest he's been. He okay. was 26, 27. Eli Manning at 23. You always love to stick it to Eli, but I get he's it. He's had a bad I year. Get it. I Let's get be it. honest. I get it. You'd probably Giants, there, fan. even Giants fans and Raiders fans love coming at me for this. Um, Trevor Simeon at 24. Seems a little bit generous. And Joe Flacco at 25. That is your uh, really the last tier before we get into some grim circumstances. <laughs> I like that you have this trio of guys connected to Doug Peterson and Andy Reid. All yeah. Sam Bradford, Carson Wentz, and Alex mm. Smith right in a row. Does that mean that that those, <laughs> Is that on purpose? That <laughs> no. coaching tree values <laughs> mediocrity? It, I Someone asked, is, is, this, is Alex Smith the best quarterback? You know, is he the perfect quarterback for Andy Reid's system? And I'm thinking, no. No. Andy Reid, they should get someone – Alex Smith is good. Aaron Rodgers would be the perfect quarterback for the system. Right. No. <laughs> exactly. Donovan McNabb, don't forget, was a much you yes. know, better quarterback than, than Alex Smith was. Bradford, I think, has been stuck in a bad situation. I almost feel bad that he's that low because he's, he's played, played well, well individually. I, I feel like Andy Dalton's played well. You know, there's a lot of people like to pick on who quarterback plays not great. Top 20 is pretty solid here. You know, yep. you have to get past 20 till it's it's not that solid. It's, the the bottom part is where Mark and I live with our teams. Here we go. Um, the final uh, seven quarterbacks on your list. Jay Cutler at 26. Uh, Cody Kessler at 27. Colin Kaepernick at 28. Ryan Fitzpatrick at 29. Uh, which is about where you had him last year when he set the Jets franchise record. And, uh, That's not ah! true. He finished. Uh, he finished right around no, the Dalton right where line. He always was. Uh, Case Keenum. Well, I was 30. a seer. I knew where he was going so and where he had else. been. Let's calm down with that. Blake Bortles, thirty-one. Blake Bortles at thirty-one, folks. Let's just let that sink in for a second. The Inland Beach House of NFL teams. Uh, in the beach the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I was in Miami with my new beach house. Well, it was a couple minutes from the beach. And the number of that lady, the number thirty-two quarterback on uh, Greg's list is a man that just signed a four-year, seventy-two million-dollar contract with thirty-eight million guaranteed. Brock Osweiler of the Houston Texans. Brock Bottom. You got Brocked. Brock Bottom. A lot of T-shirt requests coming in for people who wanted. You got Brock. Well, you got It's Brock, and then it's the apostrophe in D. It's it's no uh, coincidence that the bottom half of this list from twenty six on down features a rush of teams where coaches could be out of there after this season. Hmm. You get this kind of quarterback play. It has not just to do with the quarterback it alone. Smells down here in this section. Yes, it does. Like flesh. Yeah. Posterior flesh. Some butts. Brock Osweiler has averaged 4.29 yards per attempt over the last three weeks, which is worse than Lamar Miller's rushing average over the last three weeks. You know you're a boondoggle when you're below Blake Bortles. (laughs) That was a hard thing to say. Say that three times fast. Boondoggle. Boondoggle Blake Bortles. Boondoggle Blake Bortles. Boondoggle Blake Bortles. (laughs) Nailed it. You have to throw below in there, too. Another B. 
Um, Greg's QB index can be found every week at NFL.com slash QB index. QB index. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not NFLnetwork.com slash QB index. <laughs> That's not even a thing. <laughs> NFLnetwork.com. Maybe it is. I have no idea. All right. Let's uh, finally move on to the Thursday night preview. Oh, yeah. The New Orleans Saints. <laughs> Dan, are you even going to watch this game? I watch every primetime game, but it uh, doesn't mean I'm going to like it. The New Orleans You Saints should. At Carolina Panthers. Yeah, no, this could actually be a good game. I, it really could be. No but, exaggeration. But, I've never been more excited about a primetime game combining with two teams for four games under 500. Stop. Here's the thing. This, would, this was so close. It's a qualifier. I, I think we uh, talked about this on Sunday's show. This game was so close to being a real juicy matchup. Both those teams wouldn't have been able to close out wins on Sunday. But instead, uh, it's base. Is this another one? Is this another one of those games? Loser unhappy with outcome, but able to keep it in proper perspective. Well, let's hope so, because whoever loses this game is done. Mark. Yeah, I don't, I don't expect the Carolina Panthers to keep this in proper perspective if they lose. We've seen... You know, a a number of times where antics have have cooked up after a, a <laughs> loss, and that could be it. it I cooking I, up antics with I, the Carolina I, Panthers. Give me a break. <laughs> I mean, this game is not terrible. Greg is right. I, the team I believe in more, though, and I am shocked even a month ago that I would have thought this. It's the Saints. I think the Saints, looking at their schedule, they have something to play for here. They can crawl back into this. You can keep making cases for the Carolina Panthers. I'm not on that train at this point. I hope I'm wrong. I like the GM. I like the coach. But the Saints have a playoff-level offense, and we've got to see Carolina shut that down. They've got to go into Carolina, though. That's the hang-up for me. A Carolina team that has outplayed its last three opponents. Right. Is playing in Carolina especially tough this season? I Post-bye, they have been a better team. No. On a short week, uh I, in prime I'm not saying it's easy. Team. I'm just saying this is not this Carolina Panthers team is getting a lot of credibility all season long. People don't want to let go of them, and I get it, but we're getting real close. Are we supposed to say that the Saints are some great road team? No. No? A little better this year. I thought they outplayed Kansas City in Kansas City, which opened my eyes. They do have some road wins, but they have eighty they had eighty three plays on defense on Sunday. And that was a defensive performance. I think Probably the best defensive performance by the Saints maybe since 2013. I'd have to go back and look. I mean, they they showed some promise. Cameron Jordan is playing about as well as any defensive lineman in the league is playing right now. They have their first-round pick, Sheldon Rankin's back. You know, they're at least not the worst defense in the league. Maybe they're the 25th or 23rd, but it's it's something. The the Panthers, and this is on your radar, I can tell, about – staying in too long in the Panthers. But I will say this, the losing the sixth game, while it really greatly slashed their margin for error, they're not out of it. And I, I think that if they hold court and get to four and six, and the schedule isn't easy, they don't have an easy schedule uh, coming up, I'm just not ready to rule them out as a team that's going to be playing meaningful December games. Even despite that, all the issues they've had this season, I still think if their defense is playing well, which it is, and Cam Newton is still in the center of everything and healthy – I'm not ready to rule them out in this race, and I think they're going to win this game. I, I think, I think this is the last gasp for them. If they ever lost this, that's enough with all that business. If they ever lost this, but if you win, you have to go on the road to Oakland, 
and Seattle. Then you play a weird Chargers team that could do anything. Then you play the Redskins, who have not been a bad. They're, they're, they can be tough in Washington. Then you host the Falcons. Yeah, we've gotten past the point where we can assume the Panthers are going to beat anyone because they've been proving it week in and week out that they're they're hard to figure out. But they were they had one two in a row. They were up seventeen six, I believe, on a, a very good KC team before letting it slip away. We'll see. Wes, where are you coming down on the Panthers right now? I think they're playing better. Like I said, they've outplayed their last three opponents. If you read Greg's ex- excellent the debrief column every week, NFL Networks Greg Rosen, NFL Networks Greg Rosen, NFL.com slash debrief. They does a great job of giving you the state of the league each Monday, uh, each Monday night, Tuesday morning. Okay. And he talks about the fact that Carolina at one point in that game in the fourth quarter had a 99.2% chance of winning. It was as painful as Greg said, as NFL Network Greg says, are there of too any many loss. Odds? Are there what? Too many, what are these odds things too, about? I see this I agree. too much, like 99.7. Well, here's why. These teams would be losing Then you're also the, the team that well, lost no, no, that here's game. The, here's the thing, because – they're measuring it at every point right. of the game. So that's just one specific one point. Yeah, yeah, that's one specific point you're pointing to. But they were driving into the red zone up to touchdowns on a 20-play drive. And the other in the team, fourth quarter. It, you know, late in the third as, the, as it turned. And the other team had three points at the time. Right. That's a t- that, Eric Barry, guess- that Eric Berry play was incredible. We didn't really even give it enough yeah. credit. But that cha- that felt like. That felt like a dagger like, for I mean, their season. Like, I'm kind of getting with you. That I, I'm I just, just saying, uh, they're, the, they're the team that, ha- they, good for them, they had a 99% chance to win the game. You also lost the game. Yeah. I mean, the, the Panthers also have, have found two ways wins. to l- the chance the, the Chiefs now have two wins. They feel they a little – 99% to lose. So I almost want to just reexamine how much stock we put into the 99% well, at this exact moment. They, it's just a cool number to say. They are the first team in NFL history to come back from 17 down – twice in a season this early in the season. So what they have done, the Chiefs, deserves credit, and it's also un- unprecedented. And the, the Panthers seem snake bit. I do believe in Mojo a little bit. And you it's like do. everything that went well for them last year, it's not good. Like they're losing these type. They get they got some bad Mojo. That is, They do feel like sometimes, you know, it's beyond all the numbers and the analysis. Things are just not rolling right. for your team. But Kansas City – Carolina, did the better team win? Do we all agree that? On that day, I say no. No, I don't think no. That. You think the Panthers are a better team than the Chiefs? I think they, they absolutely were in that game. They they were more than doubling them in yardage. I mean, both sides of the ball, they're kind of doing the things well, the they Chiefs want. the Chiefs are not a wow team on offense. They had no Jeremy Macklin. They're not going to roll you up in stats they anyways. Were, look, they were banged up. That's true. The Chiefs were banged up. I'm not, but I'm saying that day – the Panthers were the better team. I, I'm not. I am saying. Are we saying that the Panthers are a better? Ooh, team I got than a, the Chiefs. No, I do not. Think no, they are. not overall. I got a good idea for you. Tony Romo to the Chiefs. Get him with Andy oh, Reid. That's a team. Depressing. This, Saucy. This poor guy. Just think about poor Tony Romo. Just don't let him go. This was his. This was the team. Yeah. This, this was the team for Tony Romo, the hard luck guy who's been underrated his whole year. This Cowboys team. This should have been it, this Cowboys team. He's right. They would be 9-1 with him, too. Well, look, there's still a chance that he'll get the play. By the way, you're... Put him on the Chiefs, though. Nice organization. Wait, put him on games. the Texans. Little Dallas Heat. Yeah. He I'm just a... has to move. What? How far away is Houston from Dallas? There's Pretty no far. Hours. I don't Pretty think there's far. any way that they would let's, do that. Let's talk Dallas about this. What's People want to know, what's Romo's future? Who's going to give up a high draft pick for a 36, 37-year-old quarterback who 
the next time you see him take a shot to his back, you're assuming he's going to be out for the season. Two teams right off the bat, I think, would, because they've shown us that they want to build through free agency. The Dolphins, if they decided to part ways with Ryan Tannehill, you bring in Tony Romo. What about the Bears? I just don't know if you're getting a high draft pick for him. I feel like it would have to be a team, but I don't think it would happen, but the Texans are the type of team that feel like they're close and need to just get a little lucky and get the guy and then hope he stays Right. Home. How how the rest of this year Chiefs go? I don't think they would ever trade it to the Texans. There's a sneaky heat between those two teams and, you know, ownership and rivalry. I I think the what rest about of this, the Redskins if Kirk you know, Cousins doesn't The rest him. of this season is a huge factor. Does he play again or not because that'll inform it. I think the Cowboys are going to do right by him and whether they get a high draft pick or not, if if they just choose to move forward with Dak, I think they'll they'll find a place for him basically, and he'll probably he'll probably have a say in it. Mm. Don't you think? Like, who's yes. closer to their owners? Well, you're not just going to ship Tony Romo to a team for. They are going to make sure that it's something that he is fully on board with. They're not sending him like to the Forty Niners, right? They're not. They're not sending him to the Jets because Woody Johnson wants a Ooh, shiny. I could toy. actually kind of. I got a wild card for you. The Jets actually, I could see. Everybody the says Jets that. Are, I don't know. I got a wild card for you. Who's the boldest general manager in the league? The Broncos. John Elway. Well, people were that you talk about. You're in a Super Bowl window. Paxton Lynch can sit another season. People were saying you want to even on Twitter that people not realizing the train deadline had passed, but already <laughs> saying why not send Romo to Denver now? Well, you can't right <laughs> you can't now. now. But it wouldn't. Nothing but, John Elway does at quarterback would surprise me. Um, right. I, it would be tough on Jerry to see Tony. Romo play with, with a good other team. You're, well, if it can happen to Peyton Manning, it can well, happen Well, if he to loved anyone. him so much, he would have put him back in the starting lineup. He's still, he's got Might a, still happen. We'll never see. know. And you talked about the mojo, Greg? Save, save it for the theology podcast. <laughs> it does appear to be Greg's religion. Mojo? Yeah, well, you don't really have a religion. No. But you do believe in mojo. A little bit. I like it. <laughs> we'll be back on Thursday with... Um, a show that both recaps that Saints-Panthers game, and then we will look ahead to all, and I mean all, I think every team in the league is playing this upcoming week, or is that next week? Greg, you are the schedule master. Usually I'm on top of this, Dan, but I feel like I've let you down. Week, no, next week. I feel like that was wrong, but I didn't want to correct you without being. Everyone who is listening to this, tweet at Dan with the answer. Week 12, no teams on by. Yeah, that's next week. Uh, uh, But we have a lot of football to talk about on Thursday, and we will. I promise you that we will. Uh, So make sure you uh, tune in and also make sure to continue, please. Uh, That's all we ask uh, is that you support us on iTunes, uh, both in stars and in comments. It makes a difference. Uh, in the land of the shadowy league figures. That's it. That's it. That's the show. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and La Cid behind the glass. Till Thursday. Did you know that a career in economics can serve as a springboard to tremendous opportunities in countless fields? Such was the case with New Jersey-born economist Ted Folds. 
who left the world of cash supply theory for law, becoming embedded as a lead counsel for NBC News during the late 1970s and early 80s. Known around 30 Rockefeller as a bulldog lawyer, Ted Folds famously talked to young Tom Brokaw off the ledge in the spring of 1981 when Brokaw, then the host of the Today Show, had a bee in his bonnet over the little-discussed issue of Nicaragua. In a prescient, forward-thinking letter to Brokaw, Ted Folds operated as a soothsayer, telling Brokaw to please stand down on his investigation of Sandinista rebels, telling the newsman, this is not the kind of story we want to tell on the Today Show. Besides, Tom, there is no factual basis to your claim that Reagan, as you write, has authorized the CIA to finance, arm, and train remnants of Somoza's National Guard into anti-Sandinista guerrillas. Moreover, NBC lawyers outright dismiss your claims of the president funding this so-called Nicaraguan shadow force with monies obtained by selling arms to Iran through Israeli middlemen. Tom, it's in your best interest to bury these conspiracy theories and do the good work of the Today Show. Go interview Harrison Ford and moderate a few breezy cooking segments with Jane Pauley. Then maybe that nightly news chair you covet will open when you least expect it. Yours, Ted Folds, former economist. Sign up for Mr. Flame's high school economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands, today at www.flameclass.com. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 